Welcome to the Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. First, let me start off with an apology. We've gotten a little behind schedule over here at the podcast. This summer brought much unexpected travel for me. I've been to Vietnam, New York, Michigan's Upper Peninsula, Los Angeles, and San Diego. And when I've been back here in Traverse City, Michigan, we've been busy with the church fixing up neighbors' homes and pastoring family camps. Thank you for all your patience and encouragement during the unexpected delays. And to all of our listeners, authors, narrators, and musicians, I want to extend an honest apology for those delays. Well, autumn is about to come upon us again here in northern Michigan. I can no longer assume that you, dear listener, will experience the same season in your region. We've become a global little operation. We have confirmed listeners from Great Britain, Spain, Brazil, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, India, the Philippines, Mexico, and that magical and mythical land of Canada. So, I'm not sure where you're listening from or what your climate is, but here in my little slice of the world, it's almost autumn. And the leaves are already changing. By pure coincidence, around this time last year, we produced a story by this month's author, Michelle Archer. You'll remember Michelle Archer from episode 41, School of the Exorcists. And this month's episode is also written by Michelle Archer. Born in Los Angeles, California, Michelle Archer has lived in 14 states, two foreign lands, hitchhiked halfway across the country, climbed the El Capitan mountain range in New Mexico, and had a sword fight with a real witch. Archer is rarely bored. A professional violinist, Archer lives and works in South Florida. She is the proud mother of two sons, Matt and Tim. She is the author of Danny Doc Dilly and the Dangerous Duck, as well as The Calling of Mike Malone. You can find Michelle Archer online at mlarcherstories.com and on her Facebook profile, which we've included in the show notes. So now, without further ado, The Untold Podcast presents our autumn episode, Dale, Me, and the Speed Demon, by Michelle Archer. All my life, I wanted to race at Talladega. But the night before that contest, I sat in my apartment shaking like a leaf. Me, Lightning Jack Davis, the guy who went around saying he could beat the devil. My big promo poster showed me leaning against the side of my car, black number 21, with my catchphrase at the bottom, Speed is my friend. Hottest rookie on the circuit and didn't mind saying so. A few days ago, I lived just to win the cup. Now, all I wanted was a way to skip out on the biggest race of my life. Some people think my attraction for NASCAR came from me growing up so close to the Speedway and spending my summers working there. That's only part of it. You see, when I was ten, we'd go visit my grandma, and I loved it, because around her house were the longest, steepest hills in all of West Virginia. First day there, 
I took my bike out, and with as powerful a push forward as I could muster, I slammed my feet onto the pedals and pumped like I had Satan at my heels. I took a full eighth of a mile to build up speed on the level straightaway as I pushed toward the start of the slope. When I peered over the top, I pedaled even harder. I picked up speed as I raced down the hill and kept hauling until my pedals spun freely. The wind whipped my face, and at one point I felt the bike leave the pavement. Flying. I was flying. <laughs> then I realized I didn't have a plan to stop. After a brief panic, I figured I had a few choices. I could slam into a mailbox and end up at the hospital. I could try running along the curb to slow down and most likely chew up my tire. Or, at the bottom of the hill, a field fenced off by barbed wire waited to welcome me. Now that would have been one of the bad choices, except I saw a board left laying on the curb. I figured if I hit it going fast enough, it would act like a ramp and send me flying over the fence. Now that was a choice. I gritted my teeth, aimed the bike, and forced every pedal's worth of power I could pull from the thing. When my front tire slammed into the board, I flew into the air. My bike landed in the barbed wire, but I went on another three feet and crashed down into the squishy, soft mud. <laughs> I looked a mess, but I wasn't hurt, even though my mama got plenty upset. But I stuck a hand on my hip and told her, Don't worry, mama. I could outrace the devil if I wanted to, because I'm telling you, speed is my friend. Yep, right here. And being a mom, she repeated that little quote a million times or so, and what can I say? It took. And it was true. I love speed. For me, that was the attraction. My fans in the stands even echoed the story. You're faster than any devil, Lightning Jack. Whip the devil's butt. <laughs> I'd laugh and promise to do it. But wouldn't you know it, during the qualifying rounds for the cup race, the devil called me out. <laughs> no, he wasn't wearing a red suit. He came in the form of an old woman. Lots of older ladies come to the track and cheer and yell right along with all the guys and have a good time. So when this old woman sidled up to me at the track, I didn't think too much about it at first. She looked me in the eye and said, Lightning Jack, you think you can beat the devil? Well, I got a message for you, boy. He's got your number, and you're gonna die. She yanked out a container with red dust in it and tossed it at me. While I waved my way out of that cloud, Hank, who heads up my operations team, called security. You okay? Hank peered at me from underneath his number 21 ball cap. That old biddy get any of that junk in your eyes? I brushed it off me. No. What's her darn problem? Hank gave a dry, short laugh. <laughs> she sounds like Satan's number one fan. Crazy old bird. Takes all kinds. I have the guys make sure she doesn't get on the track anymore. Yeah, thanks. This morning, the old lady made the papers, just not in a good way. 
the headline read, Self-described backcountry witch found dead after ritual involvement. The paper explained how police found the old lady's body covered in evil markings. No explanation how it happened. My stomach felt like lead, and all the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. You know that feeling you get walking past the graveyard at night? Like there's something with you, except you're supposed to be alone? That's when I started to really feel like she did something to me. Tom, one of the pit crew, gave me a whack on the shoulder. <laughs> well, she ain't gonna be riding a broom no more. Wonder if the devil got her. Or maybe she summoned Pumpkinhead. <laughs> he wiggled his hands in the air like some dumb kid on Halloween, and I snapped. Shut up! But that only egged him on until Hank broke things up. That day we did qualifying rounds. After years of driving in starter races and dealing with ARCA cars and traveling to Lowe's in Atlanta, I did what we set out to do. But I was disappointed. I had met Hank in Atlanta, and he decided my driving was worth the hassle of getting a car and team together. We had so much riding on that day, and suddenly I was so spooked I barely bagged a starting position of 32nd place. Thought I'd be sick. Everything startled me. That's the best way I can explain it. It ain't smart to be twitchy in a stock car. The guys were all cool about it, even Hank, but dang, I could have done better. That night, I'd close my eyes and I could see that old woman, one gnarled finger pointing at me. She kept calling at me in a dead croak. You mocked Satan. Nobody beats the devil, boy. But he is going to beat you. The only reason I got up and went to the track the next morning at all was because I still couldn't see a good way out of it. Even if I died, I wouldn't let my team down. The witch cursed me, and I knew it. But I sucked it up and went to Talladega. Raceway made me feel a lot better, though. The smell of exhaust alone cheered me up. I got dressed in my coveralls, got together with the team, went over the strategy, got my car in my crummy 30-second position, and when the green flag waved, I realized I was okay. No headless horseman had shown up to haul me away, or Pumpkinhead, or Freddy Krueger. All of a sudden, I felt like the dumbest kid on the block for letting some crazy old lady scare me so bad. With the sun up and the engines roaring, I was ready to go. I heard Hank's voice over the radio. How you doing out there, kid? I hit my intercom. Remember all that mess with the old lady? Uh, yeah. Well, forget it. It's time to get to work. Now you're talking. I gripped my wheel and focused. I always said every race was mine to win, and this one wouldn't be any different. Johnny Fisbin and Mike Rader drove on my team. Our plan was that when we had five laps to go, we'd make our moves. Earlier if the game changed a little, but at the latest by then. We counted on each other to ride our drafts for better placement. This many cars back, I surely hoped neither of them would get greedy. I held my position lap after lap. Some people think it doesn't take much to drive a NASCAR, but let me tell you, 
Try taking 188 laps around a track doing close to 200 miles per hour while the track temperature itself sits at about 130 degrees. Yeah, it takes strength, skill, and focus. It's also why, when I first heard the roaring sound, I thought maybe my lack of sleep was getting to me. See, I made it all the way to lap 178 when stuff started getting weird. I started wondering, should I pull over? Get some water tossed in my face? What? But there was no reason not to keep going. Then I heard it again. Wasn't anything strange about hearing an engine on the speedway, but this sound filled my car. It didn't sound so much like a stock car as it did a tornado. The kind of loud, ongoing roar that tells you anything in its path better get out of the way. Right at that moment, I saw it. A car so fast and dark, it whipped past me in a black blur. My heart leapt into my throat. Hank's voice came over the radio right away. Jack, you're swerving awfully bad. You got a problem? I, I... That's when I heard a voice in the seat next to me say, Quit stammering and answer the man. But watch what you say, or they're going to think you're crazy. And when I glanced over, I dang near lost control of the car. I didn't know whether to scream or puke or what. A guy sat there, wearing racing coveralls with a red ball cap on his head. He had mirrored sunglasses and a reddish mustache that twitched a little when he talked. I'd been looking at that guy all my life. My heart skipped a beat because I remembered my daddy crying like a girl when he died. Dale Earnhardt? He shook his head. I told you to watch it, dummy. You got your mic on. What? Hank sounded worried. Uh, Jack, uh, what's that about Earnhardt? Uh, nothing. I said, neck muscles tight, trying to get a grip. I, I, I just remember, this is where he had his last win. All right, let's forget the history lesson and stay focused. I'm there, man. Next to me, Earnhardt gave a dry laugh as the black race car streaked by me. Pretty good save, kid, Dale said. But keep your mouth mostly shut, and you just might come out of this alive. You noticed you got a problem, right? I nodded. The roar came up on us again, and this time, the black car slowed down as if giving me a good long look on purpose. My jaw dropped. The body shone bright and sharp like polished obsidian. There was no sponsorship logo on it, just decals of bright orange flames surrounding an envy green number, 666. It was one of those strange cars that actually had side windows. The one on the passenger side slid down, and I saw behind the wheel a thing straight out of hell. It didn't wear a helmet or a suit. All I could make out were blue-black scales all over its body. It had a flat, pinched face, like a snake's. Suddenly, the head whipped around, and yellow eyes glowed inside its sockets. I shouldn't have been able to hear it speak, not right there, but its voice came through in a loud, angry growl. I win. You die. 
window flew shut, and the demon car whipped away. I gripped my steering wheel for dear life. Yeah, you got a speed demon after you, boy. And he's right. You don't beat him, you are gonna die. I, I, I... Now listen, Dale said. I hate to say it, but you sort of brought this on yourself. I shot him a glance. How? Because the words that come out of your mouth mean something, that's why. All these years you've been harping on how great you think you are, and how you can whoop the devil, and how speed is your friend. Dale shook his head and said, Nuh-uh, your friend is a sweet Lord Jesus, except you ain't exactly giving him that place. Speed's just a tool. The mustache hitched up in a quick smile. But it's a good tool, and we're going to use it to save your rear. I nodded as the demon car raced by again. He's going awfully fast. Yeah, that's for sure, but he's got to play by the rules, and his car may be souped up demon style, but it's still a car. This ain't no Monte Carlo, but you got a Roche engine under the hood. You can beat him. The demon car pulled up next to me again. I could make out the gleaming yellow eyes. The car pulled closer. He's going to push me into the wall. Then push back, Dale ordered. I glided over. The demon held his position. Dale yanked off his sunglasses and glared at me. Drive like you're going somewhere. Now get. I ground my teeth and swerved over. The demon fell back but rode my tail and pulsed back and forth. Yeah, yeah, Dale scoffed. That kind, they think pretty highly of themselves. In fact, if you give him enough room, he'll try racing rings around you. Makes it dang hard to drive. The demon car appeared in my mirror as a black cloud. I can't beat that, that, that thing. Jack. Hank's voice came over the radio again. What are you doing? This ain't the plan. I wanted to yell for him to shut up. For Dale to shut up. And to just head for the pit area, jump out and run away. My weirdness quota was running way too heavy. But Dale leaned forward and asked, You gonna fight or turn tail? For all I knew, this whole thing might be one big hallucination, or I was still in bed dreaming. But in the end, one thought kept me going. Real or not, no way was I wussing out in front of Dale Sr. I took a breath and hit the mic. The plan's getting reworked. Just hang in there. Good, Dale said. Here's how you're going to make it. When you were ten, you should have been sliced to pieces by that barbed wire. But how'd you get out of it? You used your head. Use it now. I gripped the wheel and took a deep breath. Slow him down. Block him. In stock car racing, air intake is everything. You get behind another car and you can ride that guy's draft for a while. But it also blocks the air to his intake. And if he doesn't back off or come around... His engine can overheat. I gave Dale a nod and pulled into the inside track. Kid, what are you doing? Hank called into the mic. Winning. Next to me, Dale laughed. I saw that demon car come up in my mirror. He was way too fast for me to block him alone. I got on the radio. Fizzbin, Raider, come on out, guys. That's it, kid, Dale said. He's still just one more driver and we gotta beat him. You get your team out here, you know what's going to happen. The other guys from my team pulled out of line, thinking I was making a move. And then we were joined by other drivers. Four and five cars came across the demon couldn't get by. I could see him swerving back and forth behind me like a caged tiger. The yellow eyes glared, and he began to make a move, coming around on my left. 
Don't let them do that. Move in on them. I gritted my teeth and swerved over just enough so that I'd miss being bumped. That year, Talladega had some sort of problem with the grass in the middle of the track. Through drought or sprinkler issues, it wasn't there. It worked out well for me, though, because the demon's car's left wheel caught hold of the soft dirt and spun out. Couldn't have done it better myself, kid, Dale said. But he'll be back real quick. Why don't you side-draft your buddy there? And let's get ahead. I pulled up close enough to Fizbin's car so that our doors halfway kissed. My engine caught some extra air, my RPMs ramped up, and I flew forward. You guys get behind me, I called into the mic. I can take us up front. Raider grumbled. This ain't the plan, dude. At my right, Dale shook his head. New plan. Live with it. Hang in there, Raider, I said. The field in front of us filled with all the other drivers hunting for their paths to the front of the line. Fine. If I couldn't get through, neither could my scaly friend. Come on, quit driving like a girl, Dale said. Drive like you plan on winning. I gotta get through this. I muttered. Dale became livid. You ain't gonna win unless you get up there and do it. If they don't move, then you move them. Now go! Go! This time, I grinned. Dale was right. Move in on somebody's airspace when you're running close to 200 miles per hour, and they tend to back off. I got some awfully colorful language from folks over the radio, but man, no guts, no glory. I kept it up. We were coming into the final lap when I made out the demon car on my tail again. My blood ran cold. I didn't know what to do. He's got two more laps to your one, Dale explained, but he's still a little too happy taunting you, so let him. I gulped. Even with an extra lap, I'll never beat him. That's right. He'll whip around and be back before you get to the finish line, Dale said. Earlier, he was making you awfully twitchy. Let me ask you, at that speed, what do you think would happen if he gets twitchy? If we startled the demon and made him overcompensate, he might swerve into me. I kept my eyes on the track. Anything. Bingo. You just keep your eyes open and adjust. Let him think he's got you. And we'll take him out on his final round. I nodded and pulled closer to the wall, opening the way for the demon to come roaring through. As he did, his words echoed in my car. One more lap! Dale sat forward. All right, hurry. Pull closer to the inside, like you're going to try and block him again. Ready? Dale craned his head around. He's back already. When I give the word, act like you're coming at him. Dale began the countdown. Okay, one. I heard the horrible roar of demon engines and loud, high laughter. Two, I saw the demon coming up the inside, closer, closer. Dale yelled, three, go! I swerved toward him like I was going to take off his front bumper. The demon car took an overdone whip to the left and darned if we didn't fool him again. He hit the dirt at the center of the track, and this time he spun so fast we were in spitting distance at the finish line before I saw him regain control. And Dale Earnhardt sat next to me and said, Nice work, Slick. You whooped him. The radio crackled as Hank's voice came to life. Jack, Jack, what are you doing? You already won. Man, you can stop now. I caught my breath and turned to give Dale a slap on the back. But he was gone.
I looked across the track. The demon car spun away, scaly fists shaking at me out the side of the window. The car vanished in a puff of thick, black smoke. There was some confusion on the track, cause no one could figure out what happened at the center. It seemed out of nowhere the dust began blowing up and around. It wasn't the wind, Hank told me after the reporters finished with their pictures. You'd have sworn someone spun out. But what happened to you out there? You passed the checkered flag and it was like you didn't even see it. I needed to finish beating the devil. <laughs> well, I'll say one thing. You must sure have had Earnhardt on the brain today, because watching you race out there, for a minute I'd have sworn the Intimidator was back. He glanced at the ground and wiped his eyes before muttering, I need a minute, and he walked away. I sighed and paused a moment myself, helmet under my arm, just letting the wind dry out my sweat-soaked head. I did what I always wanted to do. I won at Talladega. Screwed up, big-mouthed me. But the cup wasn't the important win that day. Since the Lord Jesus is as good as I always heard, I want a second chance to make the things that come out of my mouth matter for the right things, like praising God instead of me. Not everyone gets a second chance. I plan on using it well. And that was our story. I hope you liked it. Confession time. I'm not a fan of NASCAR. The subject matter holds no interest for me. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm happy if you enjoy it. It's just not my thing. But Michelle Archer pulled me right into the story with her strong characterizations and narrative flow. I hope all of you non-NASCAR fans also got pulled into the story. Before we go, remember that... This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Until next time, I'm Nathan James Norman, reminding you, keep your mouth mostly shut, and you just might come out of this alive.